1: Time, it's time. T- time for the hard-hitting analysis you won't find anywhere else. Here's former Super Bowl winning scout Brian Broaddus and Bobby Belt. Ten,
0: five, victory! Cowboys win! This is Love of a Star. 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 Welcome to the Love Star. of a Star podcast. I'm Bobby Belt, Dallas Cowboys insider for 105.3 The band in Dallas. Uh, looking a little... On the video here. Lighting's not great, Brian. I look a little uh, like I'm snitching on Nixon or something here.
1: You do look uh, like you're a little bit in the witness protection I, program, if I had to say, but everybody recognizes that voice uh, yeah. of so Bobby Belt.
0: Exactly. I am Bobby Belt, Dallas Cop, was insider for 105 through the Fandals. Brian and I are in the same spot today. That is Brian Broaddus, former Super Bowl winning NFL scout. He is now the co-host of the G-Bag Nation 2 to 7 p.m. Central, Monday through Friday on 105 through The Fan, that's your radio flagship home of the Dallas Cowboys. And speaking of uh, the radio flagship of the Cowboys, uh, Brian Broaddus is the pre and post game co-host on the Dallas Cowboys Radio Network, and also uh, the co-host of the draft show on DallasCowboys.com. Brian, how you doing?
1: Doing well. And again, that's uh, Bobby Belt, who is on uh, 530 to 10 every Monday through Friday. On I'm on
0: a, 6. They're on, six. on at We'll, we'll start, So don't, don't, we, to, don't tune in until 6. We,
1: yeah, we start the show here at 530. Bobby rolls in at 6, does a great job. But that is the Sean and RJ with Bobby show every Monday through Friday, and then also uh, the Cowboys of Insider, or 105.3, the Fans Insider for all things Dallas Cowboys, host of here, again, the Love of the Star podcast, doing super. We thank everybody out there for listening to the show, and then also Bobby uh, Contributor to the Draft Show. We're inside of 30 days on the NFL Draft, so you're going to hear all our voices uh, for those three days so yeah Robert it's good to have you in the same locale
0: I know we, we we've actually got us both hooked up with the headsets today amazing and, and, and probably on the sound a thousand
1: controls. percent better I would guess from, so. on my end of it here I, I, I would guess you gotta so. prove a lot on that you,
0: you guys let us know just how how wonderful <laughs> it sounds and uh, how awful my lighting is. Please just comment on uh, just how poor you think my lighting is. Uh, all right, Brian, there have been a couple moves uh, in, in the last couple days for the Cowboys. Yeah. Uh, one, firming up the Cowboys' future at running back, adding to the running back room, and an interesting move along the offensive line that I'm... I'm wondering what it might indicate. Um, let's start with the running back room. Uh, on Thursday, Tony Pollard signed his franchise tender. Uh, so he is officially locked in with the Cowboys. Uh, they have until July 17th to work out a long-term deal if they so choose. If they don't, Tony Pollard is going to make $10.091 million next year on a one-year contract in 2023. Uh, I, I guess I'm a little surprised he went ahead and signed it this early um because there's obviously then no leverage for a long-term deal I, I brought this up on Sean and RJ this week and I have not heard anything like this so please don't take this as oh Bobby wouldn't say this unless he had heard whispers I have not this is just a uh, something I'm throwing out there
1: folks don't let Bobby fool you he something I, d- here I
0: promise I didn't when you hear what I'm about to say you'll understand I did not hear this okay I I wonder did did Tony Pollard get any sort of cold feet at the idea of he sees the running back market and guys Absolutely did six and went,
1: what if they rescinded the stack? Absolutely. He did. Absolutely. He did. I mean, you know, you start to see what, what's happening in the market. Mm-hmm. And we all figured this out. I think very quickly, the more Bobby that we dug into the draft, the more that we realized that this draft is going to stretch from rounds one to rounds five. You know, and, and, and I'm not just talking about one player per round. I'm talking about this thing's got two, three potential quality players. And, yeah. you know, if you're Tony Pollard, you're looking at the situation and you're thinking like, boy, you know what? Uh, you know, the, my health isn't really, it's, it's in question right now. You know, the Cowboys look at the board. You know, in, in another week, they're going to, these pro days are going to stop. And then the Cowboys are going to turn their attention to going in there and putting boards together, and you know they're going to, you know, they've already got an idea of the the grades that they've given these guys, but as a collective group, they're going to go talk about them and they're going to stack them. And once they stack those names, it, it's going to be very clear to them that, wow, this could be. I, 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 honestly, I think this Tony Pollard situation is going to be very similar to what we saw with Dalton Schultz.
0: Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I absolutely. And, could you see know,
1: that. and especially, especially if, in fact, that you know, Ronald Jones or anybody that they draft shows up this year and is able to have production for not ten million dollars, you know, that's you know, and and Tony Pollard's a hell of a player. But Tony Pollard, there's questions. I mean, we, we Dallas Cowboy fans, they've been through this. They've seen. A, they've seen or heard us talking about well Dak Prescott coming back from this and okay well then here's Michael Gallup coming back from this you know and here's now Tony Paul you know there's so much unknown right now about that you know those guys like say the the players work hard Britt Brown works hard with them to get them back rehab but you don't know yeah you don't know how effective that they're really really going to be you know and and we could talk about how effective they're going to be so I, I I totally get why Tony Pollard did what he did. That money's guaranteed. So if Tony Pollard is not able to answer the bell, he still gets $10 million from the Cowboys. There's no pulling back from that. The fact that he signed that tag, the Cowboys are now on the hook. So I, I, he, he also looking at seeing what's going on. I, I know on our shows and I'm sure on your show in the morning, we talk about, Yeah, we talk about, I mean, my advice to Ezekiel Elliott was don't wait, man. If you've got a deal, get in there, get in there before somebody says, well, we don't need to give Ezekiel Elliott three and a half million dollars or $5 million. We don't need to give him that. We can give him veteran minimum if he wants to play because we don't have to, you know? So I I think this, this running back, it's only gotten worse for running backs. It really, really has.
0: I believe this would be the first time in 12 years if it stands now uh, as the market stands now, and there's not a running back out there who looks like he would break this. This will be the first time in 12 years that an outside free agent hasn't been given at least 3% of the cap as their average annual value in a, in a deal. Uh, And there were some good running backs out there on the market this offseason, like Miles Sanders and David Montgomery and, uh, you know, and so it's it's interesting to see the way teams have shifted on the running back market. Uh, Ronald Jones ends up here in Dallas on a uh, one-year deal for I believe it's a $1.5 million. um Only 17 carries in Kansas City last year, but I think you've seen an effective player, and people have already jumped down my throat. Have you watched Ronald Jones yet, Brian? Yeah. Okay, so I'm, I'm going to see if you're going to jump down my throat the same way a, a few others have uh, this week at, at 105 through the fan. I think when you – Watch the tape, not the workload. Everything else, I think, when you watch the tape, Ronald Jones is a better player right now than Ezekiel Elliott. Your thoughts?
1: Yeah, I think when you start to talk about you know the 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 ability to attack the hole to get through the hole to make the cuts, you know, uh, it, it's both I think both offer you power in the mm-hmm. way that they run, but Jones Jones is a little bit quicker, looks a little bit fresher, in the way I mean Zeke's been dealing with a lot. Yeah, you know he dealt with a lot. I mean, the season, the wear and tear that he's had over the years. His
0: knees have gotten beat up. Yeah,
1: here. he's gotten. I mean, he the hits that he's taken it slowed him down, and you know he doesn't have that explosiveness that he once had. He has the explosiveness with some power, you know, with contact and stuff like that. But yeah, I mean, two through the hole, uh, he's he's not the same player.
0: Do you think? What do you think, Ronald Jones can give them? Not just with the physicality. Also catching the ball out of the backfield—that's been something that throughout his career he showed a lot in Tampa Bay. Didn't get as much of an opportunity last year in Kansas City, but uh, I think you've seen from Ronald Jones a guy who can
1: has a history of it. Yeah, who and USC can catch the ball, can
0: can uh, you know is a powerful runner, but has shown some wiggle at times. I think and and is an intriguing player. I, I just think that Ronald Jones is a nice complete back to add to the system as a good one two punch depending on what you get in the draft. If you if you get if you strike out in the draft, I think you feel okay about Ronald Jones and Tony Pollard as you running back
1: doing Yeah, it. I think you would. Uh, I don't think they are going to strike out though. Like I said, I think rounds 1 through 5 you're going to find somebody that can suit your eye and sure. is able to do the things. But you you mentioned the, the big unknown about the running back situation now with the Cowboys is how is Mike McCarthy in Brian Schottenheimer going to use the running backs. That's the big. I mean, we had an idea with Kellen Moore. It was really more primarily just hand him the ball. Mm-hmm. You know, is Mike McCarthy going to figure out a screen game? Is he going to figure out how to flex uh, a running back in a slot or all the way to the outside? And, and that's, I think that you said about the offense in general. There's so many questions. You know, I have absolutely zero questions about the defense. All my questions for the Dallas Cowboys pertain to the offense. I do have my concerns about not only, you know, how they're going to use the running backs. I have big concerns about the offensive line coach and I, and, and the switch, you know, we've seen the Cowboys, what happens to a group when they switch the offensive line coach. Yeah. Paul Alexander, great example. Paul Alexander fired mid season, you know? I worry about, and then, and
0: then on the other end of that, how the switch helped them when they went to Colombo. When they went to Mark Colombo, yeah.
1: it actually brought them back to back to focus. So, yeah. I worry about a guy like Mike Solari. Mike Solari, and I know this does it. It's talking about Ronald Jones, and
0: no, but it's all part. it's all part, part of it.
1: I <laughs> my questions about the running backs or about the running game is not so much about the players itself, but how they're going to try and run the ball. You know, and I do. I worry about. We saw, you know, and and trust me, I was one of the most critical, critical guys of on Joe Philbin. Yeah, you know, and but but give Joe Philbin credit. Steele, Tyler Smith, you know, Biotish. I mean, these guys did get better.
0: I think, think Biotish and Steele, you can give him some credit. I don't know about – I still am not certain he ever came around on time. Well, Smith. He,
1: he probably didn't like – but but he's the line coach. Sure, sure. So he's – you know, Tyler Smith played a couple different spots and, mm-hmm. and wasn't – you know, Tyler Smith didn't pee down his leg last year. No. When yeah. they put him in, they got him ready to play, whether that's Blatsko or whoever that's, you know, coaching now the running backs, which in, in, in another – Weird, little interesting, weird dynamic thing going on there. They they,
0: they love his juice though. They they oh, they love well, the the, oh. the edge he brings. Well, so. uh, okay,
1: that's good. But you know, it, those running backs are a different group. Yeah, yeah. Running backs have egos. Offensive linemen don't. You know, and yeah. so if you've been dealing with, you know, it's a little bit different. They they could sell it as, oh, we want to run the ball more. And it helps. Hey, I was on a staff in Green Bay where Andy Reid went from tackles, tight end coach to coaching the quarterbacks. He coached Brett Favre right. when Steve Mariucci went on and Marty Morningweg went on. Andy Reid became and, and, you know, you sometimes you do. Sometimes Andy Reid was able to put blocking schemes with the perimeter game. And once he learned both, that's why Andy Reid, I think, is one of the better play callers in the league. He understands protection to also marry it with, you know, routes down the field. And, you know, so that's got to be the Cowboys' hope. That Blasko could be that guy. But but my bigger question is with the offensive line and some questions at the left guard spot and the new offensive line coach, you know, who sat out the whole year last year. Yep. You know, that you've got to prove to and me. And was
0: unceremoniously let go of yeah, Seattle. You gotta awesome.
1: you gotta prove to me this is the right move. I, I applaud the fact that I, I think Mike McCarthy had had enough of Kellen Moore after the Green Bay game. I think that's the time. If you want to, if you want to, you know, and I'm sure I'll get some text message from and somebody I, and I over there. I think on
0: Kellen Moore's side, he had had enough of blending concepts and just wanted to run
1: what he exactly. wanted to run. Exactly.
0: And I, I think right. that, I think the Cowboys probably felt a lot like we got to pick, we got to pick here. Yeah. The, the one thing we can't do next year is run this back with Kellen and Mike and a blended concept. It's either got to be Kellen's offense or Mike's offense. And we can I go. think
1: Mike really also looks at his. He's won 25 games in two years, and his job's still in jeopardy. You know, yeah. you, you have that feeling that, you know, you don't see anybody rushing to Mike McCarthy's defense here and say, wow, we've got to get Mike McCarthy signed up and all that. And there seems to be a lot of this. Well, if I'm gonna if I'm gonna go out, I'm going out on my terms. I'm gonna go out calling the plays, and there's a side of me that that really and this is like you would just said. I ain't talking any bit over there about this, but this is just my two cents. I think I think Brian Schottenheimer's gonna end up calling the plays here.
0: By I, my, the end of this year or into the future,
1: I think I think the I think the talk about McCarthy calling the plays, yeah. I think we're going to see Brian. It's a Brian Schottenheimer play. I, hold, I
0: hold on to that one for bold predictions in the summer. We, I shall. We, we do both. Yeah. We, we got to remember to circle back on that one. You yeah. are listening to the Love of the Star podcast. The Love of the Star is an Odyssey podcast. You can find it on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. All right, guys, uh, I got to tell you really quick uh, before we go on to anything else about our wonderful partner here at Love the Star. It is Boomer Jacks. I've I've been telling you guys about him for several weeks now. Brian and I both have Uh, We love seeing you guys send us those photos on social media of you guys hanging out out there, uh, enjoying a cold beer, enjoying some wings or a burger or whatever else. Uh, It warms our heart, and I know it warms Boomer Jack's heart. Uh, We're glad that you guys are enjoying it as much as we do. I keep telling you guys specifically about Tuesdays and Wednesdays because Tuesdays are half-price bone-in wings. Wednesdays are half-price boneless wings, but they've got great deals the rest of the week as well. Drink special starting at $3, $15 buckets of beer. And it is the coldest beer anywhere around. And it, it's just the perfect spot for whatever you're looking for. If you're looking for, you know, a happy hour spot for you and your coworkers, Boomer Jacks is perfect for that. If you're looking for a nice dinner spot for the family, somewhere to unwind, it's a great spot too. My kids love tableside s'mores that they bring out there. If you're looking for somewhere to watch the game, Boomer Jacks, man, wall-to-wall TVs. And I mean that literally. The TVs fill up the walls at Boomerjacks. You are going to be so glad you went there. There are 17 DFW locations. You can find yours by going to BoomerJacks.com. That is BoomerJacks.com. All right, Brian, another signing that was made this week also probably impacts the run game, also impacts a a lot of the discussion around the offensive line, some of which we've already done here with Mike Solari, and that is uh, Chuma Doga is brought in here, played last year with Atlanta, former third-round pick out of USC, a guy we had thought uh, could have potentially been, a, you know, there, there were some discussions of a potential trade last year at the deadline. It's funny, the Cowboys have acquired the two guys that they were tied to at the deadline last year, and Chuma Edoga and Brandon Cooks. Um, but Idoga, a guy who's uh, played a lot of tackle in his career, uh, apparently is is here as a guard, is is what they'd be looking at with him here, but offer some flexibility. Uh, have you got a chance to, to see Doga or, or talk no, to really anybody haven't. around the league? Yeah, no, I really haven't. I haven't.
1: You know, it's funny. I, I need to get with the gang of seven on this one because they're the ones that usually watch a lot of this tape. You did have some
0: uh, thoughts back at the deadline, though, right? Not nothing updated, but back at the deadline, I remember uh, you'd said through through some of your conversations that it, it sounded a little lukewarm on Edoga.
1: Yeah, I I remember to like I could say I. I the guys and gals that I talk to are the ones that watch a lot of this tape, uh-huh. and I don't. And I'm I'm trying to remember exactly what was said about that, so I want to circle back around, and you know maybe on our next show I'll have a little bit of a better update and a little bit better understanding. But this these these moves and Bobby, we talk about this a bunch. Will McClay, I think, does a really good job of protecting his roster. Yes, I really do. And the reason why you go out and you get a Doga and a guy like that is when you play preseason games, now maybe he could develop as that swing player. Maybe he can develop into the guy that could play a couple of different spots. But but what you do is with a veteran guy who's made starts and you have him in camp and then all of a sudden you get into preseason games, Adoga turns into the guy that's playing into the third quarter and then playing into the fourth. And so when you're trying to evaluate Will, Will Greer more, At quarterback, or maybe you draft a quarterback. Yeah. And now you're trying to evaluate that guy, or you're trying to evaluate wide receivers that you might draft or have signed. You know, you want veteran players on your offensive line because what happens is, you know, you get a bunch of young guys, you get five really young guys out there that kind of are struggling, you know, to kind of understand what they're doing or doing their jobs. Sacks. You're not creating any running lanes. You know, you're just not. So having veteran players that can play in preseason games helps you in your evaluation. Adoga initially, I think, is going to be that guy. And let's see if he plays well enough to where he takes a, a Matt Farniox job or something like that where, He's playing in a couple of different spots.
0: This is, uh, I, I want to get your thoughts specifically on this, and I know we've we've discussed it a little bit, but this might be the spot to flesh it out a little bit more. This is very interesting from uh, Nick Eatman, from his story at DallasCowboys.com about the signing of Edoga, which a guy who's played left and right tackle at yeah. USC and in the NFL, but it has mainly been a tackle in his career. This is the story from Nick says depth on the offensive line is always a luxury. The Cowboys seemingly added to that on Wednesday, acquiring veteran Chuma Idoga to the mix. Great. Idoga could even be a candidate to compete for the starting spot at left guard to replace Connor McGovern. That would indicate that there is a starting spot available at left guard, which if Tyron Smith is starting at left tackle, you're not just. Having second-year Tyler Smith compete with somebody at left guard—that no. would that would be his spot. So is the fact that that line even gets written that there's a starting spot open at left guard? Does that indicate Tyler Smith is starting at left tackle next year? Terrence Steele is starting at right tackle. Tyron Smith is not in the starting line I, I right think
1: now. I think that they've got I think they got Tyrant Smith's contract to the point where he is your new version of Jason Peters
0: with the escalators for playing time. Yeah,
1: yeah. If, if something happens at guard... Because
0: you could read it one of two ways. You could read it as those escalators are in there to protect the Cowboys if he gets hurt again. Right. Or like you're saying, they could be in there to fairly compensate Tyron if he has to start. If he has
1: to start, right, right. So yeah, I, I, I think that to me, I just don't see a good reason to not play Tyler Smith anything other, anywhere other than left tackle. I just no. don't.
0: He looks like he has special traits there. I don't.
1: I just don't. And I mean, no, nothing against Tyron Smith, Hall of Fame tackle. Yeah, he, you know, him playing right tackle wasn't as good as Steele playing right tackle.
0: No. Seal, by the way, shout out to Duke. manyweather
1: Duke has done a great job. Duke, Duke had a
0: video out yesterday. Check out the clips. He is, he is Duke's already
1: got him working. Post
0: ACL, he's out there. He's sliding. He looks smooth. Yeah. That was very encouraging. So Terrence Steele already back
1: there's working. There's a there's a guy that I absolutely buried. I buried mm-hmm. and I I can't I can't say it any clearer than that. I buried that kid. You know, and I'm usually pretty good with these offensive linemen. I buried him.
0: You and your play strength issues with tackles. Play strength <laughs> issues.
1: It happens. David Bakhtiari, Steele, Nate Soldor, you know, any one of those guys that doesn't have power. Uh, Colton Miller was, I think, there's some debate about him. Col-
0: Colton yeah. Miller needed a lot of technique cleanup yeah, was but, his issue, yeah. which he's gotten better. A lot of false steps in his college tape. He yeah, fixed it. He, he did. did.
1: Credit but, to him. But Duke's doing a great job with you know anybody that Duke works with, they're gonna be well versed on how to play. But I just kind of feel like that they're setting this thing up to where Tyron Smith is going to be your swing tackle guy. Yeah. You know, and it's gonna be funny to see him, you know, I mean, we'll see how quickly uh Steele gets back again. Britt Brown, Steele, those guys work really, really hard. They, you know, they'll they'll be back before you know it.
0: That's it now that's one of the things we hear about Steele pretty consistently is that he is
1: First in, last out. The, the, the work, out. work yeah, ethic is off the charts with it. See, that's where I mean, with a guy like uh, with Joe Philbin, Joe Philbin, that's kind of his guy, and I, you know, and there's there's whispers, and this is maybe this is unfair, but there's been whispers that you know Mike Solari not interested in really playing young guys. He likes veteran players. I mean, there's coaches that are like that, but I this this thing is not. If you want to tell me one area. That that has really the most question marks about it. I'm gonna say it's that. I'm gonna say it's the offensive line, specifically the coaching aspect of it.
0: Oh, that that's that's unsettling. I, I don't know that anybody wants to hear that. It, it's no. I mean,
1: that's just what. I mean. I, no, it's it's
0: interesting though because I remember Todd Archer came with you guys. Todd Archer from ESPN, who is incredibly plugged in and has a really good understanding of the thought process with the team had said to you guys when they still filled the offensive line spot, you gotta remember Jeff Blasco was still in the room at this point. Yeah. Joe Philbin had not been moved on from yet. And Todd Archer said, there's some people in the building who believe Lunda Wells, the tight ends coach, yeah. might be the best offensive line coach in the building. And they I mean they kept him at tight ends. I, I think Lunda Wells did a tremendous job with the tight ends Good the coach, last couple yeah. of years. Um but but that tells you a little bit like Okay, well then then is everybody in their right spot. The fact that you had two other offensive line coaches in here and then you got and hired somebody Mike Solari who was on the beach and uh, has, has you know feels a little bit like the old boys network type of hire. Well and
1: it but and also McCarthy and he's won twenty five games and he two years ago That is
0: a Schottenheimer connection as well. Yeah. Two years
1: Solari. ago, you know, pandemic football He's won a good football team. Yeah, when a good football team during pandemic time. And that's when you had guys like, you know, you had uh, Mike Nolan and, you know, you had uh, the the linebacker coach that was got demoted because George Edwards. Now you got the linebacker coach back. Yeah. You know, so, I mean, I don't know. I mean, it's you're, you're kind of it's one of those things where it's like, OK, one twenty five games. I'm going to get the guys back in here. I want to work with. You know, yeah. I mean, listen, he, he he had no reason. He had no reason to fire Doug Nussmeier. Yeah,
0: no. I, re- I think he
1: had Dak, no reason.
0: Dak is going to be the politician on all this. If you, if uh, Kellen, there's been a lot of changes. If you had to, if you asked me, what's the the one coaching move that probably
1: pissed Dak off the most? It'd be the Nussmeier. It'd be the Nussmeier run. move. That,
0: that's a that's a coach he had hey, a ton and, of you know, respect and still does has a ton of
1: respect. Scott Tolzien. Fine, you might I think be. He likes Scott Tolzien. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I'm about to say Scott Tolzien. You know, you, you, he might turn into the next, the next great one. Who Not knows? an
0: indictment of Tolzien? Not at it all. Just speaks to the appreciation Dak has for but, Doug Nussmeier. That's what I'm saying.
1: That's what I'm saying. You know, if you if you sat down and got on a fishing, or you went on a fishing boat with Dak, and you know, you're throwing your line in the water, and you're saying, "Hey, what's the one move that would bother you?" Again, I think you're right. I think he would said, "I don't know why they got rid of Doug Nussmeier." I don't know why.
0: Uh, that's that's absolutely the case. Now, when we talk about the offensive line here, if we're talking about left guard is open, the rest of the offensive line in, in theory would be set. Then you've got uh, Tyler Smith and Terrence Steele at the tackles. Obviously, Zach Martin, uh, Tyler Biotish there at center. If left guard is open, any dog is brought in here for competition. Does that then scream to us? The biggest need on this football team, because we were assuming Tyler Smith might be sliding inside of left guard. So does that scream to us? The biggest need on this football team heading into the draft might be left guard. That might be where they are really needing to pick somebody when they get to 26. Yeah. And if that's the case, is this Osiris Torrance, who I, for what it's worth, as they're starting to schedule some of these 30s, which have not come out yet, even though I don't have the list of who does, I know he has not gotten one yet. Yeah. So Torrance is not somebody they've chosen to visit yet. Um, but Osiris Torrance, could they think John Michael Schmitz could play left, uh, could play guard? I think they do believe he could play guard or center right out of Minnesota. Um, TCU pro days coming up here in a couple days, Steve Avila, a yeah. guy that they, I think, believe in a lot and think is a really good football player. Uh, are we, is this heading towards a potential where, Hey, the target's got to be left guard at 26, or you maybe need to trade back and pick a left guard.
1: I think that to me, I, I, I kind of feel like that they're going to let this board come to them. Mm-hmm. I do. Yeah. And I, if you mention a Steve Avia and when you start to talk about Torrance and Avia, basically the same height, weight. If you, you you know, I, I
0: think Avila is a little more athletic.
1: A, but no, same height, weight. Yeah, 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 a little more. But, I, but I, Avia think, more athletic, I, clearly, I, clearly I, more athletic. Avia
0: moves better. Torrance has more. Clearly more. more
1: yeah, clearly, clearly. You know, I mean, this guy is Avia is you know, I mean, he gets plenty of opportunities as a pass blocker, plenty of opportunities to play as a, and he's good at it. I mean, he yeah. didn't, he doesn't give any ground. He's powerful. You know, I mean, you get some push with this guy playing. That and, and, you know, that in the running game too. But there's I think that he's gonna have to play in a scheme and like him and Torrance, where it's a little bit more about power than it is about because there's times when a via extends and you lose that separation. I mean, you lose yeah. that you you know, separation happens. So I think a via is damn good. I really, really do. him.
0: Would you be okay if he's the guy at 26, or would that feel like a reach to you?
1: I don't feel like it would be a reach. It, it, because, but, I mean, him, I think Bradford from LSU. I know people are always on me like, oh, bro, she love all the LSU guys. But Anthony Bradford's a guy that if you're talking to if you want to move back in a draft, I think Anthony Bradford would be a guy that you might want to consider there going back. Because, again, another guy at 6'4", 300 and you know, 332 pounds, strength, power, movement. Yeah. There's there's probably, I think the list of guards is better at the top than it is towards the middle or at the bottom.
0: Yeah, this, is, this does not stretch. The, no. the guard group does not yeah. stretch. Now, here's the thing. I think a lot of people feel like there's not a chance you get to 26 and the best player left on the board is Steve Avila. I, I think a lot of people feel that. But let's say they like Avila, they target him, and they say, this is our guy right here. Would it make some sense maybe? You look at it and go, you call Kansas City and say, Hey, Kansas City back there at 31. You guys want to come up here, get a pass catcher, not, not risk losing somebody? Just swap with us. We'll take whatever it is, a, a fourth round or whatever, move back a little. And then at 31, that way you're ensuring the fifth year option on the guy, but you're also going back as far as you can on the first round slot money. You're picking up some extra capital yeah. and picking a vela maybe a little closer to where you actually have him on your board. Or would you say, you're getting too cute. If Avila's the guy you don't, want, yeah, just pick d- him at don't 26.
1: don't don't get cute. Just dra- if the if the guy's there, you know, if you have several of those guards, Torrance of uh Torrance Avia Bradford, you know, I mean, if you if you had them ranked, if I had them ranked, how I would, John Michael Smiths from from Minnesota would be my top guy.
0: Would you feel like you're you're wasting his ability though?
1: I'm going to pl- play him at guard. And I'm going to play I'm going to play him at guard, but I know that I have the flexibility if it gets too expensive for me at center with uh you know, with Biotis. I mean, Biotis is coming up and people are probably evaluating Biotis and going, "Heck, this is a pretty solid. Heck, they took their they took a the Dolphins took a guy that you had as a starter at at left guard and made him a center." Yeah. You know, and 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 was just fine with that. Did
0: you, I can't. Or did you grade him at center?
1: It's so funny. David Hellman and I went on this tour. Yeah, we went on this tour during uh, Connor Williams' first uh, year that he was drafted. 2018. 2018. and we went on this tour. And I'll never forget. We went to the. We went to Texas A and M, and then we went to Austin to look at the. You know. And I remember the New Orleans Saints worked him out as a center. They worked him out as a tackle, a guard, and a center. And I remember looking at Hellman and going, why does he look better at center? <laughs> you know, kind of a thing. And Helman's goes, man, maybe they got something figured out here. But that's kind, of, that's kind of where I think. I think the same thing with John Michael Smiths. I think the same thing with him. I think you could, if, if you don't want to pay your center you play him at guard, but you have the flexibility if something happens to be you can plug him in at center, and then maybe it's, uh, you know, a doga or somebody like that playing the guard.
0: You're listening to the Love of the Star podcast. The Love of the Star is an Odyssey podcast. You can find it on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. All right, before we go any further, I need to remind you guys about our wonderful partner here at Love of the Star. It is Boomer Jacks. You guys, I've seen it on social media. You've been enjoying Boomer Jacks just like Brian, Peyton, and I do. uh, And we love it. We love that you guys are tagging us in your photos out there, getting some of that ice cold beer or getting some of those fantastic wings. They have great wing specials. Tuesdays are half price bone and wings. Wednesdays are half price boneless wings, but the specials are great the other days of the week too. It's not just about the wings. It's also about the drink special starting at $3, the $15 buckets of beer. And that beer is some of the coldest you're going to find. They have wall to wall TVs, live music, great patio setups. It is just a wonderful atmosphere for whatever you're looking for, whether that's you know, happy hour with the coworkers, a place to watch the game with your buddies, or just somewhere to have dinner with your family. Boomer Jack's is your spot. There are 17 DFW locations. You can find yours by going to boomerjacks.com. That's boomerjacks.com. All right, Brian, it is now time for our Dean Julia love of the star mailbag. Uh, Got a few questions here. We had so many. I really
1: enjoyed, by the way, uh, the, all the questions, maybe do that show again. I did so, too. Yeah, that was fun. I mean, and if you guys keep firing the questions in, if we request some, Bobby, I request send them in and you know, hopefully, we'll put together. I love I love shows like that where you sit there and answer the questions. We
0: might, uh, this might take up a big chunk of the discussion here in the Dean Julia Love the Star mail back because <laughs> it's a broad question here. Uh, not about the Robert. running back
1: and defensive. No, end no, 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 no.
0: Temperature check for 26. Usually, Brian is hearing where it's headed for them at this point. So, Brian you're let's say you're if you if you were to try and narrow it down to like two or three names that you think are the likeliest that they and obviously they still have their meetings coming up they have not yeah. had their meetings yet they're going through their visits i think when we're about 2 weeks out you really start to hear guys that are like yeah. oh okay they're 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 starting to really like this guy but as it stands now maybe filling in some gaps and just uh, trying to pair needs with how you think they view players typically Who are uh, uh, just like two or three names you think will be are are likely to be in play for them at twenty six? as, hey, this has a real shot of being the guy.
1: I think Johnston, the wide receiver from TCU, has got a possibility to be there. I feel like that they'll. You know, we'll see what happens with Robinson at at running back. Yeah, we'll see if that, if in fact that happens. I don't particularly think. I think all the corners are going to be off the board for you right there. But I think it'll be very, very, very close. I think all the I think you'll have an opportunity. I think Mayer will be the first tight end off the board. So Kincaid and uh, Musgrave will be in in play there. I think we mentioned John Michael Smiths would be in play there. I think all those. I think all the guards. It'd be Torrance Avia, uh, our kid from maybe from North Dakota State. You know, Malk might be a guy that uh, gets in in, in considered in play there. So I I think it's going to be really open. I I do believe all the corners are going to be gone. I think that it's going to have to figure out, uh, you know, I think it's going to come down to like, do you want a Cam Smith would be a a possibility there? You know, if you, maybe Ringo, I know that we're not as high on Ringo as others, but I, and, and who knows about them, but I think that, I think, I think it's going to be close on Forbes, Cam Smith. If you're talking about corners, those defensive linemen, Breesey, Cansey, uh, you know, Mozzie Smith. I, I'm just, I know I'm saying a lot of names, but that's kind of how, sure. but that's how you you got to look at it. I mean, if I,
0: if I said, Brian, though, you're setting the odds. You, you're not just who could be there. If I said, Brian, you're going to set the odds for Vegas. Give me the top three names that you it, just right now, your gut you think will be the pick at 26.
1: I think it'll be. Uh, Kincaid, Avia, and Cam Smith. Very
0: good names at Cam Smith, the corner from, uh, South Carolina. Kincaid, the tight end from Utah, uh, Steve Avila, the, the guard there from TCU. I know you watched this guy
1: this week. What did, what did you think? You have three names? Yeah, I was, I was gonna, I was gonna come
0: around to, I think that, I think Kincaid's a great name. I think Avila's a great name uh the third. Man.
1: I don't know. I don't know with banks. I like banks more, and I don't know if banks is going to be gone. But I don't know if they're going to like banks as much as I am. That's why I picked. And I think Forbes might be gone.
0: I think they. I think Forbes is going to be a tough evaluation for them because they're so 106 That's going to be hard for. That's everybody. why. That's
1: why I picked Cam Smith. I. You're right about branch now, right now.
0: now I, Avila Kincaid. And the third name, if I got to throw it out right now, is Musgrave. The okay. tight end for Morgan State.
1: So you're saying two, two in, tight ends and a guard. Uh, two tight ends and a guard. That's just my... We we did the we did a mock draft the other day on uh, DallasCowboys.com on the draft show. And our defensive side of the ball was kind of wiped out. I mean, as far as oh, first yeah. round guys. Yeah, I, th- I think that happens.
0: I- now, here's the name I want to throw out to you. Uh, because it's he was right last year before anybody else. And that's... Uh, out of Tommy, about
1: out of guy, huh? the,
0: the defensive lineman from Northwestern who yeah. played some edge, but maybe I, I know you feel like is a, is more of a three technique guy.
1: I kind of feel that way. Yeah. Do you, do, is
0: there any chance you think that, cause I mean, we, if you would have asked us the same time last year, I don't think anybody thought Tyler Smith was in the first round. Right. Right. Like, like not just for Dallas. I think a lot of us thought he was like a second, third round player. Yeah. Uh, Maybe a similar situation here with Adabari?
1: He's got an explosive burst off the ball, and I think he could be really disruptive. I mean, he's got some power to him. And, you know, when you see the you know, how he gets into blockers, he can get rid of them. You know, I mean, he gets across tackles. There's there's a lot of things to like about him. I mean, he his I don't know if he's the best pass rusher, and that's why I think he goes from end to tackle. I don't see that edge, elite edge type of, you know, he gets too caught up playing the block rather than, you know, at times on that pass rush. So I feel like inside that he might have a little bit better chance. But, yeah, absolutely. The fact that Mel Kuyper had Tyler Smith mocked to the Cowboys, yes.
0: Makes you take a look.
1: Makes you take an absolute look at that. But I don't know. I don't know. It's 6'2", 282. I mean, he's a disruptive football player, man.
0: It's funny. I had a, uh, I had a Tolo, uh, which is what we call our listeners there at 105 through the fan. I had a Tolo tweet at me two, three days before the mock draft. And they said, just remember, I tweeted this at you at is who the Cowboys are going to pick. And he's going to be this year's Tyler Smith. And this was the comparison they made. And after I had heard some chatter, I went and watched at And I thought the comparison that was tweeted at me was interesting. And, I, and I'm curious if you see it at all. Do you see any Michael Bennett to his game? Yes, which I thought was a very yeah. interesting comp, and so it was very, it was interesting. The fact that I got that tweet where I did, and it, and it was one of those egg profiles, and I was like, well, yeah. you've got a pretty good eye for a, a, an egg." Because I don't know that I would have thought of that. And after I watched it, I went, "There is some Michael, yeah. but Be- there is some Michael Bennett He's to that wrong. game.
1: He or she's not wrong." Yeah,
0: and so I don't know. Maybe maybe that's a a, a low key uh,
1: something to keep an eye on. I like to say we'll see. You start figuring out the 30 visits.
0: Which we'll get. We'll and get, now we'll they've, get dra- slower, they've drafted
1: but- some players that haven't been on 30 visits. Tyler yet.
0: Smith was Hy- one.
1: Hy- Tyler Smith was one. Absolutely.
0: But they, they knew what they thought of him and they wanted to keep that. I'll be interested to
1: see if if uh, is is this guy. I'll be interested.
0: Question from Travis. What is your favorite running back scenario if you can't draft Bijan at 26? Trade up early second or back maybe? Uh for Jameer d- yeah, Gibbs.
1: I, I I don't know if you and it, it's questionable. I well he's got some some
0: uh, options for you here. Okay. So go back into the early second for Gibbs, uh stay in the second for Charbonnet or A chain. Yeah. Or third round uh Roshan Johnson or Tajay Spears, day three Kendra Miller or Tank Bixby. So what which of those sounds the most appealing to you?
1: I would probably sit and hope for Gibbs. But if I can't get Gibbs, I would then go in this order. A-Chain, Charbonneau, and those are my second-round guys. McIntosh, Evans.
0: Where do you have Roshan Johnson and Tajay Spears?
1: I have, I have Roshan Johnson in the third, mm-hmm. and I have Spears in the fourth.
0: Kendra Miller and Tank Bigsby? Where do you have those guys? Fourth. Both of them?
1: Spears, Bigsby, Gray from Oklahoma, and then Kendra Miller, uh from uh TCU at uh, in the fourth round. Well, I
0: think they I think they like Kendra Miller. And I, I actually think these are all pretty solid names. So uh Roshan Johnson's on there, guy they had a formal with at the combine. Yep. Kendra Miller's there, a guy that uh they plan on working out ahead of his pro day, getting a private workout in. Uh Tajay Spears, another one who which I don't know if we've said this yet, but they've they've had a private workout with yep. Spears. Um they were at his pro day uh i they like bigsby i think bigsby was a guy who had a a, a private workout um a chain a guy who had a formal at the combine so when you look at all these different names here i think travis has all these guys about in the range that we would be looking at charbonnet or a chain in the second
1: i think they're right yeah roshan johnson
0: so out of all those your preference would probably be a chain in the second
1: a chain in the second would be my preference
0: so that way that would be the the best one Uh, is there i think the cowboys might think I think there's a shot. Kendra Miller could be a day two graded player for them. Sure. Back day two. So if they could get him day three, I think they'd be really excited about that. But you think that's about where they should be. Then Miller and Bigsby on day three and, and different guys like that. All right. uh, Next question here from Tex Mayo. How do they not go offensive line in the first round? Unless it's Bijan or a top corner wide receiver that falls. So, Given the the needs that they have right now, Brian, is it I, I guess this is I'm gonna reword the question for him. Is it negligence if they draft something other than an if, offensive lineman, unless it's Bijan or a, a slider?
1: Yeah, if it's the if the plan, if the plan is if they if Ty, if Tyron Smith is your swing tackle, they need a left guard. Because I'm playing Tyler Smith at left tackle. And then that's that would be where I'm going to take the guard. I'm going to take. So would it be
0: negligent even if you have higher graded players there? Would it be negligent not to take the guard there if you feel there is a drop after that?
1: Man, that's a good question because the way at 26, I always feel like you, I always feel like in the first round if you take the best player, it sets up the rest of the draft for you. You're not chasing stuff. Yeah, you know. So if they've got higher rated players, like I'm saying, the the guard room does not go very deep. I, I think the, I think the quality of the guard is not very deep there. No. So they might look at it like they did and they did it with taco. Remember they were thinking about, sure. you know, they're thinking about, Hey, there's not a lot of defensive ends. Not a lot of edges hey, going back to and,
0: be fair. And it worked out for them, And it was later in the draft. I think they did that with Jake Ferguson last year. Yeah, I don't think they necessarily thought that's where I think they liked other players, but I think they looked at the board and went, we're going to lose out on all the tight ends. If yeah. we don't take one right here. Yep. And so that's how they looked at it. Uh, question here from Lucas Chapman, Uh, question about Israel Mukwamu. What is his role now that the starting three corners and safeties are set? I think he can be a hell of a player, but how will they use him with all the depth? Ryan, I don't know about you. I think we talked about this in camp a little bit. Everything I've seen since Mukwamu got here, even though he's been a safety primarily, he's a better corner to me. Better corner. And I, I mean, I think he is a better player at corner than Kelvin Joseph is.
1: I'd agree with that. And Kel- so, Kelvin Joseph right now just not playing with a lot of confidence. Playing with confidence on special teams that he can do those jobs, but there, there, he's just it's it's just it's lack of experience for him. You know, every time that you want to like him and put him out there and stuff, something happens. You yeah. Know, for early in his career, he always got hurt, and then now it's like you put him out there and he's closing on the ball. Guy catches it. You're going, damn, bro. Yeah. You, you, you make that play. You know. They they threw everybody. They threw guys off the street out there playing corner at the end of the season.
0: Xavier Rhodes you was know? brought in here. They yeah. tried for Trayvon Mullen. Yeah. yeah,
1: I mean they tried.
0: Th- that's you shouldn't have to do that. Shouldn't have to. It, like, not like, with a second round pick. Kel- on the Kelvin know. Joseph should be embarrassed. He should be embarrassed at his level well, they, of play it, that they it went out. Maybe it's
1: not his fault. Maybe it's people that drafted him.
0: Sure, but I'm saying in terms of. It, it, we know he's got the ability to play it. Sure, he's got the he's got the ability that you should have to go get played. So that is on Kelvin Joseph. He that hasn't part
1: played. Of it. He hasn't played a lot. That's the problem.
0: Some of it his own his, doing. His
1: his his career. His career. He does not. He had not play a lot of games. He just didn't
0: because he tried to sit him out at Kentucky. Yeah, <laughs> he's just he, very frustrating. But back to Mukwamu, I think. McQuaam's future with this team should be a corner. I I I think that I think he should be full time there. Knowing the way the Cowboys tend to operate, I would guess they instead have him as just some chess piece that well we can move around and use. I would imagine he plays some safety, plays some corner, does some stuff. But I think what we've seen on tape is better corner by far than he is a safety. Right. So I I agree. That does it for us here today on the Love of the Star. Thank you for all your questions. Thank you for hanging out with us. We'll be back with you guys uh, with a couple more episodes uh, this week. Until next time, we will talk to you later.